God, and we're excited. We're thankful for our children's church workers. My man right here looks good. Look at that. Vest and tie. My goodness. He outdressed all of us. We're so thankful. Listen, I love the Word of God. And, and today, uh, God's Word's perfect. Amen? Amen? Have you ever noticed how there, there are times, and it's, it's, it's my feeble mind, there are times when, when I'm struggling with something culturally or I'm, I'm depressed over something that's happening in our world. And, and, and we preach sermon series around here, and, and, and we wrote... I, this Jonah series was written, I don't know, probably six or eight months ago, and it, it came time for us to, to walk through this together, and, and uh, I love the topic of the morning. I love how it, it's so fitting with our times. It, it's what happens when a culture repents. I don't know if you watch the news, and I don't know if you trust the news you watch, um, but what I do know is no matter what network you're on, no matter how you align politically, we will all affirm this morning that our world's a mess. It's a mess. So what happens when we get serious about sin? What happens when we look at our culture and go, oh, there's a problem? What happens when we turn our affection and our attention to the cross? We, we've been on this journey through Jonah. And we, we looked at first when we began, we, we looked at Jonah and his unfaithfulness. And we, we looked at how, how God had a plan for Jonah's life. And it didn't matter what Jonah thought. It didn't matter what Jonah did. Jonah got on a boat, headed, headed the wrong way. He, he was trying to get out of Nineveh. He was headed down towards Tarsus. And while he was going, uh, uh, God kept calling him, kept pursuing him. God is relentless. When he gets his mind that you're going to do something, he doesn't change it. When God is unchanging, he is faithful, he is unmoved. And, and he, he called Jonah, he said, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to go preach to them people and tell them to repent. And Jonah got scared of that. He, 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 tried, to pull, he tried to pull that whole, you, you called the wrong person thing. And, and, and so when he got on the boat, it says God hurled the wind. That boat got to rocking them mariners or those fishermen of that day. They got real nervous and, and they started calling out to their gods. And of course their gods didn't answer because they're not real. Because there's only one true God. His name is Jehovah God. He's the God of the Old Testament. He's the God of the New Testament. He's the God now pursuing you. He, he didn't answer them because they weren't praying to him. And here we find Jonah asleep in the bow of the boat. And they come get him and say, aren't you... Okay, are you okay with us perishing? So he said, I'm the reason. He said, throw me overboard. And, and eventually they did. And it says, God appointed a fish to eat Jonah. We know Jonah was eaten by a fish. He's alive in the belly of this fish. You ask what kind of fish? I don't know. It had a tail and it breathed water. I don't know what kind of fish it was. I, I just know it was big because the Bible says it ate a man. And I don't believe Jonah was a small man. I believe he was average. This was a big fish that God designed to eat Jonah. And it did. Jonah was alive three days in the belly of that well. At Jonah's despair, he cries out to the Lord. He realizes this fish ate him. It was God's design. It was God's plan. And in the midst of that belly of the fish, with all that seaweed wrapped around his neck, with all, all that smell and all that he was dealing with, he cries out to the Lord. And, and in verse 9 of chapter 2, he, he, he admits to the Lord. He, he says, I'll do whatever you ask, paraphrasing. I'll do what you call me to. 
I'll be faithful. I will sacrifice unto you, Lord. And it says that fish spit Jonah up on dry land. And so now Jonah's back on dry land. That's where we catch him today. He's back on dry land. And you, you, I don't know what your experiences are like with the Lord. I don't know what you've walked through on your spiritual journey but if you had been eaten by a fish, you would have already told me. Like, we've already had that conversation. What we do know is this experience for Jonah changed his life, at least momentarily. So we pick up with Jonah in chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And, and we, we, we covered this verse last week, and we come back to it. My Bible was marked for Ephesians chapter 5. That's where we're going to be tonight. You should come back and be with us. It's going to be a great time there too. In Jonah chapter 3, it says, And then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against the message. And, and you tell them. And Jonah arose, and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. It was three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began, and he, he called out, Yet in 40 days, Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh, they believed God. They called for a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and, and he arose from the throne. He removed his robe. He covered himself with sackcloth, and he sat in ashes. And he issued the proclamation, and he, it was published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out to the mighty God. Let everyone turn from his own evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Verse 10 says, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said that he would do to them. And he did not do it. Father, bless the reading of your holy and perfect word. May it find a resting place in our soul Father, I pray your Holy Spirit would have freedom today. Father, I pray in the powerful name of Jesus, God, that you would be able to move up and down every aisle, every pew, Father, that the, the Holy Spirit would have freedom in this place. Father, I pray as we think about cultural repentance that we would understand that repentance first starts with us. Father, forgive us when we sin and are okay with it. Forgive us when our sin becomes natural. Father, may we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Bless the reading of your word. Father, may every word I speak come directly from you. It's in the name of Christ that I ask all these things. Amen. So we, we understand Jonah's call now. God, God came to him a second time, and isn't that good news? Aren't you glad that, that when you sin, God didn't kick you out of the camp? 
But God allowed Jonah to, to repent and be restored. Um, God resends his prophet to the, to the sinful city. He says in, in chapter 3, the, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Uh, God sent the same message. The message didn't change. God had a message that he wanted Jonah to take. The message was, was to Jonah for the people. And God was serious about that because when God calls, he's serious. He doesn't accidentally call. He had a purpose and he had a plan. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against the call out against it the message that I will tell you. Now, if you don't know your Bible history, um, let me help you this morning. Ninevites did not get along with many people in the world. In fact, they were hostile. They were a military city. And especially a Hebrew didn't have much to do with them at all. Here we have Jonah, who is a Hebrew, who is a man after God, who has now displayed sin. Now God says, now that you're ready, now that we've had this little hiccup and you've repented of that, now I need you to be faithful. Now I need you to be after my business. Now I need you to be after my will. So, so God comes to him a second time with the same message. Go to that great city and call out against it. We classify Jonah in, in, biblical, in, in the biblical education system. Jonah is a minor prophet. He's not minor based off of his impact, but he's minor based off the length and breadth of his book. The only proclamation that he made on behalf of the Lord is found in verse 4. When he says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's the whole prophecy. There's one sentence. Yet in 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Here we have Jonah. He's now been given this message. And, and, and when God calls, he's, he's serious. And he's now pursuing Jonah. He says, I need you to go there. And I'm serious about it. Jonah understands his seriousness based off of his experiences with the Lord previously. And now he's willing. It says it was a three-day journey. This wasn't something he was going to pop over. This was, this was something that he was going to dedicate his time to. Because when God calls, what we have to be about is being dedicated to the Lord. God's call for us isn't always easy. It's not always convenient. It's not always simple, but he never changes his mind. When God calls us to do something, we've got to be faithful. I remember when I when I went to, to Brother John uh, back over at Enon a long time ago now, I went to him and I, I said, I feel like God's calling me to ministry. And you know what he did? He told me to go home. I should have listened and I should have went home. God's call for ministry, I, I didn't want to... You may look at, at the pastorship and go, ooh, that sounds like a fun gig. I never saw it that way. I never, growing up, it wasn't something, I didn't go dress at career day to be a pastor. It wasn't, it wasn't on my landscape. It wasn't in my menu. It wasn't on my horizon. But when God calls, you've got to deal with that call. And I remember those, those days and months walking through that process, just really having turmoil. I, I would argue with God. I would, I would negotiate with God. I would, I would, boy, I, I was getting real serious about, I, Lord, I know you kind of call me, but, but wouldn't I be better? Don't I look better over here? 
Wouldn't it be better if I made this amount of money? God, wouldn't it be better if I, Lord, Lord, listen, if you'll, if you'll let me hit home runs, Lord, I, I'd be, I'd be a, a faithful servant to you on, on the baseball team. Lord, I'll, I'll do this. And God's call, he kept, he was, he was relentless in his call. He kept saying, no, no, you're, you're going to pastor. And I, God, are you sure? God, ain't nobody saved in my family, and now you want me to come up and pastor? God, do you know how big of a sinner I am, and you want me? And, and it was almost in the stillness of God's voice. He, he said, boy, if I can use you, I can use anybody. You ain't much, but I can do something in you. And after a year of just being miserable with myself, because being outside of God's will is not a pleasant place. Being outside of God's will and, and standing in God's judgment is not fun. It's not somewhere you want to live and God uses his, his, full, his full golf bag of tools to draw you back towards him. Jonah now hears the message and he's willing. This three-day journey didn't scare him. He went, he, he got on board with God's plan and he, he heads towards that great city to call out against it. The people hear the Lord. Jonah gets there and he, he gets a day inside the city and, and he tells them, hey, in 40 days, God's going to destroy this place. But in Jonah's heart, that's what we're going to learn next week, in Jonah's heart, he was okay with that. He was okay with that because he looked upon the Ninevites as a second class of people. So he's calling out to them. He, he says, hey, in 40 days, God's going to destroy this place. And, and there's, there's, a, there's a message there. That there's some significance there in the date. God, God always kind of works in the same number. He, he gives them 40 days, and he says, God's going to destroy this place because y'all are sinful. When you read the whole book, you can almost see Jonah enjoying this message because Jonah didn't have a heart for people. As evangelicals, we must love every nation of people. Whether they look like us, whether they talk like us, whether they speak the same language or come from the same background, God's call for love was universal. And here we have Jonah. He's going in the city. He's telling them the message of the Lord that he's going to destroy it. Look at how the Lord's message goes to the people. It says, when the Ninevites believed, they heard, they called for a fast. They called for a fast. The whole city, they, they called for a fast. And notice who all was involved. It says that they called for a, a fast and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. That they were all engaged in the process because they realized that the whole culture had become sinful. And not anyone was outside of God's judgment. When you read the Bible, when God begins to judge a culture, he doesn't leave people out. Biblically speaking, we have a responsibility one to another to be faithful to the Lord. We have a responsibility to the culture to hold the standard. I don't know if you've looked at our culture, but we're not holding many standards at all. We now live in a day where, where morality is fleeing. We live in a day where we're aborting more babies than ever before. We live in a day when we're doing all of these things that God has called us against. We've, we've made famous sin. We've given sin a voice. We've, we've started calling sin disorders. And when we do that, the believers are just as responsible as the pagans for not holding to a biblical standard. 
And God's not going to divide us out when he starts handing down judgment. In Nineveh, the people heard the voice of the Lord. They heard through the prophet and they said, hey, boy, we got to get serious about this. God's going to send judgment. God's going to destroy our city. Boy, we got to get serious about following Jesus. It says they put on sackcloth. They took out all of those things that made them look proper, all of them things that made them, all of that, that they could define wealth. The way we dress is often how we perceive ourselves. So we'll, we'll put on the fancy stuff. We'll get on the little bow tie, and, and we'll, we'll, ha- we'll try to look good. But, but God's not about our outward appearance. He's about our inward problem and they had sin they had issues they're dealing with they put on sackcloth they put on ashes they they were spending time before the lord and and it says the the message got so much so that it hit the king now i don't know i don't know again if you if you're down with your bible history i'm sure you are but the but the king didn't often have a great thumb held on the city's voice so for the king to hear about this movement of repentance, it was a big deal. He heard it, and when he heard it, he didn't stand up with pride. He didn't stand up and, and, and say, whoa, this ain't going to happen. I, we're a strong city. We've got a great military. We spend millions in defense. Oh, we're, we're the greatest country. In the, he didn't say any of that. He didn't try to justify sin. It says when the king heard it, he started issuing decrees. Everybody's going to repent. He saw the danger. He understood the power of the Lord, and he began to get faithful. A major problem with our culture is we've forgotten the power of the Lord. We've put, we've put Jehovah God, we've put Elohim, the father of creation, we've put that God in such a small box and we've, we've kicked him out of schools and we've kicked him out of our lives where most of us don't have a daily reading plan in the Bible. I know I'm making the back row nervous, as I, I know. But most of us, we, we, we've ostracized the father so much that he's lost his power in our lives. We think of God as some genie in a bottle and not creator God. Not the almighty, the one who spoke the world into existence. The one who with his voice will end this thing. We've lost the power of the Lord in our lives. And the thought of destruction from the Father seems so outlandish and outside the nature of God because we bought into an American Christianity that we just don't fear him. We don't fear him. The people's response was to get real serious about the Lord. And then we see the greatest repentance of a culture that we've ever seen. The word reached the king in verse 6, and he arose from his throne. Anytime you see a king standing, you should take note of that. He arose from his throne, he removed his robe, he covered himself with sackcloth and satin ashes. He issued the proclamation and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast nor herd nor flock taste anything. They began to discipline themselves because of sin. They began to take real serious the weight of sin and also the depravity of man. They began looking at their lives and, and viewing it with a biblical standard because here's what happened. A lot of times we'll, we'll, we'll look at our lives in view of other people and go, huh, we're not so bad. Like I can look at my life next to Bert and go, I'm doing all right. 
But we don't need to look at Bert as our measuring stick. We don't need to look at, at this other fella or this other lady as our measuring stick. We, we look at Jehovah God as our measuring stick. And when we look at God for, for who we are, what we see is we're a man that is few days and many troubles. We are sinful. We are in desperate need of grace. We need God's mercy displayed on us. We need salvation. We need deliverance. When we look at ourselves, we see how awful we are. When we look at man's heart, the reality of man's heart is it's evil. And we are desperate for God to work. We look at why our culture is so sinful because the heart's evil. The heart's evil. The heart's selfish. The heart has ambitions that work on its own. The heart will lead you astray. Nineveh repents. The king decreed it. Not even, not even, not even the flock, not even the goats, not even the camels. None of them were to drink or eat. Not only was this just a, a pure cleansing, but it was also an acknowledgement of their sin. The people started surveying themselves and realized, hey, you know, we may look better than this city over here. But when we view ourselves before the Lord, we're sinful people. When we stop trying to justify our sin, when we stop trying to skate away from our sin, when we get serious about Jesus, my friend, what we understand is we see ourselves as we are, and it's not pretty. It's not pretty. They acknowledge their sin. They acknowledge that they weren't free of that. They acknowledged the, the, the bonds that Satan had on them. My goodness, if our culture would realize the wool that had been pulled over our eyes, if our culture would realize all the chains and bondage that we put on ourselves, how free we would be in Christ. You remember Jesus came to set you free. He didn't come to bind you. He came to set you free. The Ninevites, they realized their sin, but also they had a great call for repentance. My friend, they had a great call for repentance. Notice what the king says. The king tells him after, after he gets serious and, and he says his decree says, let no man or beast, he says, we all be covered in sackcloth. Let them call out to the mighty God. This is a pagan city who is now getting serious about who God is. He says, let everyone turn from his own evil, from his own violence that's in his hands. He says, who knows? God may relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. The king says, hey, listen, we're going to get serious about God. I don't care if it's for 40 days. We're going to get serious about God because we believe if we get faithful to the Lord, God will honor that. Now listen, the king had no promise that God was going to relent. The king had no promise that if they'd get it right, he'd come in and set them free. But what he thought, boy, if we just get serious about God, it doesn't matter. If he ends us in 40 days, we will go out being faithful. May we go out faithful regardless of what's going on in our culture. But he gets serious about who God is. He calls for repentance and he says, even so, even so, we're going to honor the Lord. I imagine that even in the face of death, the reality of destruction, they said, you know, we're just going to be faithful. Who knows? Maybe God will see us and maybe he will spare us. And then we find some interesting text in the Bible. Some interesting text. It says, when God saw, verse 10, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them and he did not do it. God saw their faithfulness. God saw a city who was on their knees 
before the Lord, a city who was standing in repentance, a city who, who had become aware of their sin, a city who had become aware of all their transgressions before the Lord, a city who had become aware of the holiness of God and the power of God, a city who, who was willing to go to the very end honoring the Lord despite destruction, and they, God sees that. It says he relented. Now, I, I believe that God inspired men to write the Bible. I believe every word is inspired by the Lord. We're seeing this from Jonah's perspective. Jonah writes that, that God relented, that God changed his mind and chose not to destroy the city but that's Jonah's perspective. I believe, and I believe I've got the authority based off God's word to know God's call for that city was always repentance. Always repentance. God's plan for them was that they would get serious about the God's all-knowing. God knew they were going to repent. God knew they were going to get faithful. God knew that he wasn't going to have to destroy them at this time because in 80 years, God's going to destroy Nineveh. God knew this, but when they got faithful, Jonah saw it and goes, God changed his mind because he's a gracious Lord. And all the while, God's been about repentance. God's been about repentance. Repentance isn't preached a whole lot anymore. Repentance isn't talked about a whole lot anymore, but it's the very thing that God called us to be about. He says we should have a regenerate heart. That regeneration, this idea of being made new, all this, this process of continual renewal, the New Testament says it comes by the renewing of our mind, the repurposing of our mind before the Lord so that we can live in the spirit of repentance, in the spirit of the Lord. Today, are you faithful in your repentance? Let's talk about repentance for just a second. We've got a lot to do in this service. So with, with, with very brief sentences, repentance is more than admitting you're wrong. It's more than an I'm sorry it's, it's going before the Lord, realizing that we are sinners and asking him to forgive us. And, and if, you've never, if you've never accepted the Lord, then you need some, some serious repentance time. But maybe you're a believer today who has picked back up that yoke of slavery, as the Bible talks about. You've picked back up that sin, and you've got that sin that's dug down deep. You need repentance from that. It, it's not a, I'm sorry. It's not, oh, I messed up again. It's not a oopsie. But it's going before the Lord saying, Lord, I need you to work in this. Lord, I'm turning from this. The, the idea of repentance is, is returning. Pent in the Greek means high. Returning to the high place. Returning back to righteousness is, is how we see that. We need to have a moment where we're repenting before the Lord. Today, we get the chance to do both ordinances in our service. And it's an amazing time when we get to do that. You saw the baptism, which is an ordinance before the Lord, showing us the death, burial, and resurrection. But we're also going to take at the Lord's Supper this morning. And we, we practice an open confession time where, where if you're a believer, it doesn't matter if you're a member here, but if you're a believer that Jesus Christ is the, the Son of God and, and he came, lived a life you couldn't live, died the death you should have died. He was dead in the grave he resurrected and now he sits at the Father to be propitiation. If you believe that, then you're welcome to join us in this. But there's some danger that the Bible talks about. About taking the Lord's Supper with sin. He says, let each one examine himself. 
Let every, let every person in the room examine themselves so they don't eat of the Lord's Supper unworthily because it will cause damnation to your soul. Those are scary words in the Bible. That puts an awful lot of importance right here. As we eat of the bread and drink of the juice, Jesus said this body is a representative, this bread is a representative of my body and this juice is a representative of my blood. He says, do this often in remembrance of me. As we think about cultural repentance, there may be things today that God has brought up, that Spirit's put in your heart that says, you know what, I've got some things I need to deal with. I've got things long before I drink of that cup, long before I do any of that, I've got things I've got to deal with that we may not cause damnation to our soul, that we may be in right standing before the Lord. Are you being faithful today? When you survey your life in light of Jesus, do you see those shortcomings that you need to deal with? Do you see those issues you need to work on? Has God revealed sin to you that you need to deal with? This is going to be a time for you to get that right before we usher into the Lord's Supper. I'm going to get our musicians back up here. We're going to have a time of response. If you, if you want to stand during this time, you're welcome to stand. If you need to stay seated and just do business before the Lord, we encourage you to do that. If you need to come to an old-fashioned altar, my friend, listen, I believe in altar work. I believe that God still works when we get serious with him. I believe when we submit ourselves before him, I, I don't care how, if you want to do it biblically, listen, in the Bible when they came to, to ask, they'd lay prostrate on the floor. I don't care how you do business with the Lord today, we want you to be faithful with what God's called. Don't leave his place still dealing with that sin. Don't leave his place with unconfessed sin. But may we have a culture of repentance in our faith family. Father, bless the reading of your word today. May it find that place in our soul that we can deal with it daily. God, I pray over everybody that can hear my voice this morning. God, that you would work in their heart, that you would work in their life. God, if there's sin that they have that unconfessed, if they've got sin that, that they've been struggling with, that, that stronghold of the evil one, that stronghold of Satan on their life, God, that you would give them the freedom to come down and, and fall on the altar, God. And we know based off the Psalms, you hear us when we call, you hear us when we pray. You're faithful to those whom you love. Father, we pray that we would get serious about doing that work with you today. God, that we'd be serious about regeneration in our life, living a life apart from sin. We know your call for us is holiness. Father, may we get consecrated on that. We ask all this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen. This is your invitation. You do what the Lord